Hey now, my name is Ryan Miner. I am the host of a Minor Detail podcast. This podcast is not a one-size-fits-all template. I like to mix up the topics from the latest news, politics, federal, state, and local government, business, and entrepreneurship. And I love to feature people whom I find genuinely compelling and fascinating. Yes, it's a Maryland-based podcast, but oftentimes I like to cover issues outside of Maryland that may go unreported. My hope is that this podcast is an exploration of the truth. It's a platform where all is welcome and no conversation is off limits. And as my last name reminds me, the minor details of every story matter. For the latest episodes and to subscribe, please visit a aminordetailpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. Today is November 13th, 2019. My name is Ryan Miner. You are listening to a Minor Detail podcast. And I'm doing a little bit something, I'm doing something different today. And it's fascinating because it's this topic that I love to cover. And I thought I knew some about it until I was completely blown away by um, the famous Lisa Schaefer who's sitting right next to me. And I'll tell you a little bit about who she is in a moment. But today, I'm in Gaithersburg, Maryland, where I live. And I had no idea that this place even existed until I drove over here. And then I walked in, and I smelled something that was familiar to my college days. And today, we're in a... You know what? I'm going to just let you introduce my guest today sitting right in front of me. His name is Drew. Drew, what's your last name? Rich. Drew Rich. And... We are here at a place called Melting Pot Extracts. Point. And melting Point. Melting Point. I'm, I can't read. It's all right. I can't read. It's Melting Point Extracts. And I have my visit. I had to give my ID before getting in here. Uh, they, they gave me a, a federal background check, and the, the gal in the front was very gentle with the rubber gloves. So what, what is this place for all of the inquiring minds who are listening so we're a processing facility in the uh, medical cannabis industry. Oh, in cannabis. You said the magic word. Yeah. So a processing facility here in Maryland. How many processing facilities are located throughout Maryland? So the, the dynamic of the market in Maryland is you have 85 dispensaries that are currently open. You've got 16 cultivation facilities. And you have, uh, you have roughly 18 current uh, processing facilities that are operational and active. Do you remember when marijuana used to be called just like is like weed pot reefer? We yeah. could name any euphemism for it. Any any just any. Just another way to confuse the cops, but you know. Just another way, exactly. And then they came up with this, you know, of course, the cannabis plant. And they came up with this cool way to market it as a, a much softer way. So you smoke medical cannabis. Well, so the reality is, it's, it's always been cannabis, right? And marijuana, the term itself is actually derogatory. It's. Um, yeah, what's the genesis of that? It it's, comes from the, uh, the, the when Mexican cartels really started to become uh, dominant in, in the United States in the in the eighties. Uh, you probably watched the show on Netflix. The you know when they do the Mexico season, Sensimia, um, right? Seedless, right? That that's where marijuana started to become. That that nomenclature became popular. Cannabis is a is actually a Latin term uh, and. You know, there's two different types of cannabis. You have hemp mm -hmm. cannabis, which is now federally legal. So 
thanks to the Farm Bill of 2018, industrial hemp. And what that means is it has less than 0.3%, less than 3% THC content, mm-hmm. um, which makes, means it's not psychoactive. Yeah. Right? Um, the, the THC in, in cannabis is what gets the high. Correct. That, that gives you that high effect. So when, when granny smells... The psychoactive effect, that mental effect. Yeah. When grandma smells that that uh, that familiar smell, that and then she chases all the kids out of the basement. Uh, it's it's actually could be CBD. Which last night, for example, I came home after a, a, a grueling MBA class, and I said I need to relax a little bit, and I have the the hemp, I have the CBD, and so I pulled that out, and you know about eleven o'clock, I uh, <laughs> I have my little glass. Uh, contraption and I put it in there and you smell it, you know, it smells very similar, of course, to, uh, you know, the real, what the real stuff I'm putting that in air quotes, but, um, instant relaxation takes away all your anxiety and it just, it helps you sleep. And I started using it because I have sleep issues it, and it's, it's CBD to me when I first discovered it, I really didn't even know what it was. And I, I thought, well, is this stuff legal? It's not, what's, what's the deal? How is this being placed to market? But when I started using it, um, I was, it, it's it's changed my it's changed how I sleep. It's it's reduced anxiety. I mean, I'm a high strung anxious guy all the time, and I, it's it's done wonders for me. And I I want to get into um I, I kind of want to get into the sub points of the what CBD uh, and and medicinal marijuana is used yeah, for. Sure. So, but I, I'm really interested in first learning about you um, as our guest today. You mentioned to me you you're from. Colorado. Am I saying that right? Or is it Colorado? It's Colorado. Colorado. Okay. And you're 35. You're a married guy. You live here in Montgomery County. I actually live in Carroll County. You live in Carroll County? I I live in Montgomery County. Well, who can? (laughs) I mean, I got to do these side gigs to just pay the mortgage here. Uh, So we're, (laughs) yeah, it's an expensive place. I mean, that's a whole different show. We can talk about economic development. But Carroll, I lived in Westminster for a while. My bachelor days, yeah, um, good spot. I like it there. Good. Only eighteen thousand people, you know. Eighteen thousand. Yep. Oh well, I miss those days of uh, trekking all throughout Westminster. Probably got in trouble a couple times over there. So, you you travel here every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Typically, so I'm also responsible for uh, three uh, retail locations that that I uh, help oversee, Mm -hmm. um, which is part of work. Part of a larger conglomerate, we're a multi-state operator, so we're Ianthus Capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we actually are operational in eleven states uh, in the medical market, and then uh, two of those states are recreational: uh, Nevada and Massachusetts. You moved here, you say, what, sixteen years ago? Yeah, yeah. I went to Goucher College. That, that brought me to the. That's East a Coast. good old Maryland college, yeah. and you majored in economics. So what? Uh, I, I imagine there's a lot of economics that we could talk about within the cannabis industry. There's a lot going on there uh, between, I'd say, the federal side, and then of course the uh, with the, the the process of the legalization and going through the different states. Um, we should make note that mar- marijuana as a Cannabis, cannabis, marijuana. I, I got to get away from saying that. Yeah. So cannabis is still considered to be a Schedule One drug. Uh, court, yep. Yeah, for the federal government. Why is that? Why haven't they revised that? And is that something that could be erased just with an executive order? So the, the, what the reality is is that actual uh, cannabis, THC cannabis, not CBD, hemp cannabis, mm-hmm. right, was listed as part of the general pharmacopoeia as as late 
1945. And the problem was is you had the, you know, prohibition came to an end and big pharmaceutical companies and big tobacco companies were the big had control over D.C. And tobacco was scared of hemp because of its diversity that they were afraid they're, they're, they were going to be put out of business by hemp, which they should have been. You talk about hemp as a, as a diverse product. I mean, you can use hemp oil for candles. You can use uh, hemp for paper. You can use it for clothing. Plus, the medicinal side, you know, the medicinal effects, they're also looking at it as a fuel. It's a possible fuel. So it's, you know, big tobacco had a big role, as well as, uh, you know, the just they, they needed a culprit. So you saw the prohibition on alcohol end, and next thing you know, cannabis becomes a Schedule One drug, which you could literally buy cannabis tinctures at your pharmacy, pharmacy up until that point. Um, you know, because they, so the, the medicinal uh, benefits have always been recognized to a certain extent. Are you saying that the reason why cannabis was placed on that schedule list as a illicit, illegal substance is because it had something to do with big tobacco. One hundred percent. And the, the, the funny part is, it, this is a, a new development. But Dare, right? The kids program. No, I remember that. Remember the dog? Yep. Like we had the officer they just come in. Removed cannabis as a gateway, as on their list of gateway drugs. As a gateway. Well, I remember the Dare officer coming in and showing us pictures of. Yeah, this is what you will look like if uh, you're on, you know, if you're high right. and if you're on drugs. And it was like a, a picture of someone who just, it honestly looks like me when I wake up out of bed in the morning. And I, I remember, it was almost a fear-based campaign when I was in grade school back in the early 90s. And you get the dare officer coming like, kids, you should never, ever touch this terrible marijuana right. it's a it you're gonna be a pothead and a, it's gonna it, it was all these ridiculous you're gonna get fat you know you this is it's gonna do this and it's like my god i think i you know and then as the older you get you're like all that all that time i spent in catholic school i think it was worse off for that so right. <laughs> uh so you I'm interested, how does an economics major who went to Goucher College, how did you make your trek into this business? It doesn't seem like a, I don't know if it's a natural linear progression. I mean, so the, the funny part, and I don't mind incriminating myself, you know. Oh, please. This is a podcast. We I can do that. in the business, right, so to speak, mm -hmm. black market side of it. No, but the reality so is, you were so a businessman. professional career kind of took me all over. I mean, I've worked for DirecTV. I, I, I've worked in the golf industry for a while. Uh, more recently, I was a, in commercial real estate, and that's what kind of got me the introduction. I was mm -hmm. working on getting, you know, as the the industry, the cannabis industry in Maryland was, you know, getting ready to really get geared up and open. There were people that still needed retail locations, you know, that they needed a commercial realtor. So I started networking with this industry for business for myself as a commercial realtor, and. Lo and behold, we, you know, I have a client that has a retail location in Middle River, Maryland. I help them get through the lease that gets executed. Afterwards, they asked me to come on to say, you need to stop selling real estate and start selling cannabis. <laughs> so they made me the original manager of sales. This is a company out on the, on the Eastern Shore. Um, and, uh, you know, where at on the Eastern Shore? Snow Hill, Maryland. It's they're uh, now they're Cresco. That, that license got sold. Mm -hmm. This industry moves very fast and it, is that in is that in Wicomico? Is that Wicomico County or is that Worcester County? 
Snow Hill. Okay. So that would be yeah. That's either Wicomico or Wooster. It's Lower Shore. Yeah. Is that where you're headquartered? Most of these facilities. Except for us here in Gaithersburg, they, they tried a part of their application process to, to, to be awarded a license was they picked bad socioeconomic parts of the state right. where they could make a claim for making improvements in the unemployment rates. Right. So you've you, Snow Hill, Maryland, Wakumuk County, it's like a 12% unemployment rate. Yeah, it's tough down there. So, you know, that, that that's a definite factor that the state brought into play was what economic benefit can we get to our impoverished areas through this program. Andrew, when did this come about in, in Maryland? You were in real estate. So I've been doing this for two years now. This was like August of 2017. And how long has your company, the company that of which you're a sales manager for, how, how long does this, uh, how long have you been in existence? So uh, I, I joined the team on the sales side of stuff uh, in, in uh, August of 2018 because that license that I was working for, that processing facility was was that ownership was transitioning and things were really up in the air. Plus, it was at the beach. I was living in Towson at the time, so that's commuting mm-hmm. to the beach three days a week. That's a six-hour commute. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time. So this became an opportunity here. This facility, uh, you know, they this brand MPX has been active in Arizona, Nevada for about five, six years. They were starting to get their doors open. They were behind. You know, the, the market had already been open for about ten months, and. Uh, you know, I essentially had a book of business. I had all the contacts. I was already selling to almost 50 dispensaries as is. So it was a really nice transition. And then, you know, things have progressed and they actually, uh, they put me in charge of the entire operation in May. Is the, is the cannabis industry, the, the business side, it, it, to me, I get the sense it's not, it's not complicated. I mean, it's, it's just a basic structural thing it's of how, yeah, it's a, com- exactly. Simple. The only difference is, uh, is, it's very price sensitive, which like most commodities. Oh, I mean, the market drives price, price. Yeah. And, yeah. The only thing is with the, this commodity is that there is every, even if it's the same name of the item, let's, you know, the same strain, so to speak, you can have varying qualities all the time. So, you know, it's not so cut and dry as a typical. No pun intended. Yeah. Right. <laughs> as a typical uh, commodity. So for those listening, and they want to know what this facility does exactly. What is it that you do here? Because even I was a bit confused. Yeah, no, no problem. So basically what we, what we manufacture here is uh, the, the process is simple. We partner with uh, other cult, with cultivators in the state uh, since we don't have cultivation ourselves in Maryland. Um, Why is that? So it just says a license thing. We, didn't, we weren't awarded a cultivation license. I see. We acquire cultivation it. meaning you grow it. You grow it. Right. right. So there's three different types of licenses in the state. Yeah, can you review those? Processing and then dispensing. Cultivation, processing, and then dispensing. And, and so we have three dispensary licenses and one processing license here in Maryland. But there's nothing that precludes you from getting a cultivation. Oh, 100%. So uh, whether you're applying for a new one, they, they only allow, you know, they only will uh, issue so many at a time. And there's a large application process that's all blind and, and so we you know we participated in that and mm-hmm. the goal for was that what with that was to award more minority based uh, sure. companies and and so you know we we're female owned and operated and we partnered with another group of females that are uh dispensary owners in the state and uh you know we didn't win and that's the way life goes mm-hmm. but, uh, so what we do here is like we purchase the material 
the plants from uh, the cultivators, mm-hmm. bring them into this facility. And then what we do is, because the way the cannabis plant works is all the actual medicine, what we call phytocannabinoids, right? That makes up your THC, your CBD, your CBN, all the different cannabinoids, right? CBD is, you know, it's a cannabinoid. Right, right. yep. It's an acronym for it. Um, you spell that? that? No, just kidding. <laughs> the, uh, the reality is, is that what we do is we remove that medicine from the exterior of the plant. We leave the organic plant material behind. And that's how you end up with like fake products, yeah. that, you know, the pens and the disposables as well. We make loose concentrates, um, and that that's a whole other gamut. But basically, it's, a, it's essentially we're just removing the phytocannabinoids from the exterior of the plant and putting them into different forms because there are different health benefits. You know, uh, combusting flour. First off, you're combusting, right? You're burning the actual flour and you're inhaling the smoke. So there's issues with you know lung damage from that front. Um, but also there's no tar in our products, carcinogens that goes along with the combustion. Um, so that, you know, and also the, you're, you're concentrating the medicine, right? So on a, on a flower, let's say it might only have, you know, 18% THC. Well, I can take that flower and I can turn it into a product that has that, that THC becomes concentrated so that it, it the potency becomes more powerful. You're, you know, you're more like 70% THC. And the, you have the technology here. You house all of that technology here to do that. Correct. And we're actually, we're in, in the process of a phase two expansion where we're actually putting another half a million dollars into the facility. Wow. A quarter million of that's stri- uh, strictly equipment. And the technology, this is, you're, you're operating with some real scientific concepts here. And to me, as someone who I I appreciated science, but not to that extent. So I'm sure you have, you've probably learned so much as when you first, since you first began. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm thankful that I paid attention to chemistry. (laughs) It's a lot of chemistry. Yeah. All chemistry. Yeah. So do you get your hands dirty with it yourself or, uh, yeah, I myself, um, just from a management perspective, uh, there's not a job, that I haven't done myself. I, I want to know how to do it. You know, I'm like, especially with this industry, it sparks my interest across the board. You know, I'm, I'm like a sponge with it. I want to know anything and everything so that I can become an expert. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk a little bit about some of the regulations sure. and then we'll get into state law specific to Maryland. Um, but before we do that, did you, before this even came about, obviously other states have done this and, and, Maryland wasn't the first out the gate, and I think what I believe is going to eventually happen is uh, maybe two, three years down the road. It's either marijuana legalization will either be on the ballot in Maryland to a referendum, or the General Assembly is going to get wise and and do this. There's a couple of state legislators here, even in Montgomery County, who have been heavily pushing it and who have been fierce allies and and then on the medical cannabis side, when that when they developed the Maryland Medical Cannabis uh, Commission, there's been some huge allies on that as well. And it, it, the stigma has been really broken, I think, over the last, what, 10 years? I would say the last 18 months. Okay, so I mean, it, it, because people, and I'm talking about politicians, elderly people who always said, don't, don't do that. It's bad. Drugs are bad. That is that is slowly going away. Even to the extent that my ninety four year old grandfather said, "I'm I'm learning about. I've read this in the paper. Do you know anything?" Like, of course, his 
you know, 33 year old grandson's going to know, um, about what's, what's going on. So he's like, well, you know, I, I got this pain issue and he's got, you know, he's 94. He's going to have lots of aches and pains. And he said, well, if I try this, is it going to help me? And I said, yeah, it's going to, I said, it's going to change your life. I said, you're going to feel better. And he's like, oh, I don't know if I, you know, I, it's a, it's just been a, a stigma that, but it's, it's eroding. And I think for the better. At this point, you, you can't ignore it. You, you have 35 states that have medical programs. You've got 13 states that are recreational. 35 states out of medical, 50. Have at least a medical program. And then the... And almost every state in, in the United States has at some point decriminalized it. Okay. Like to a certain uh, amount. You know, Maryland, for most states are 28 grams for mm-hmm. an ounce. Maryland's weird. We're only 10 grams. And even like our district attorney here in Maryland doesn't won't prosecute anymore for cannabis. You're seeing other states where they're starting to do reparations for people that were put behind bars for cannabis. You say the district attorney is that here in Montgomery County? No, that that would be Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore County. Okay, Baltimore City. Yeah. So I was thinking of our state's attorney, John McCarthy, who no, he hasn't come around on it yet. But the, the reality is he hasn't. The whole nationally is uh, you know, still has that stigma for certain people and. Typically people what's the data say, Drew? What's that? What's the data say that it, it is it as bad as it, people think it is? Clearly, it's it can't be because it, it, I it, someone shows me hard data, right? That's how I try to make decisions, and that's you know, as someone in business, you you look at data, you look at facts and information, uh, you break it down, you put it into formulas, and you it, it has to make sense. What's the what What's the bottom line? What's the data say about cannabis right now? I mean, so the, the, from the span of years that we have, I mean, Colorado was really the tip of the iceberg in 2011, yeah. when they, the Denver County first and then the rest of the state. But I mean, you know, the reality is, is that the average cannabis user, the, the patient age on the medical side is closer to 50, you know, so the older demographic is definitely coming around. And the, rea- the reality is, is when it comes to pharmaceuticals, all these pharmaceuticals have these side effects that, uh, like, I'm sorry, but death is not a side effect. That's permanent. So when you see these pharmaceutical ads on TV and it says may cause death, I'm sorry, that's not a side effect. You're dead. Right? Cannabis has never killed anybody. It, 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 you know, it's not a terminal commodity. Um, you know, especially with the opiate epidemic in this country, I think that, that that's really what's been expediting this. And Maryland's one of my favorite examples. For the first time in a decade, we've seen a decrease in opioid overdoses yeah and it's and where i places like where i grew up in hagerstown they have an opioid problem it's all over the place it's affecting our kids schools it's affecting even senior communities they have opioid problems i just spoke to someone i mean i just i just had a meeting with someone who had a niece who was 36 who had an opioid it just got out of a a skilled nursing community and then got addicted and there's other alternatives and I'm always interested in the sociological aspect of why people think that this is a negative thing. And I'm thinking back to where I grew up in Western Maryland. It's a culturally conservative place. And you hear politicians who have not a damn clue about these facts. And it's so frustrating because they don't do their homework. They think that it's, it's bad. They can't tell you why. Right. They just think that it's bad because, therefore, it's illegal. Well, there's lots of things that elite that are illegal that I think are ridiculous. I mean, I think that, but in this case, there's a proven medical science. Doctors are getting 
lining up behind this. I know you know clinical trials are becoming more prevalent uh, in yeah. foreign countries. That Europe is making leaps and bounds. Israel, Australia, but you know here in the United States, I think that the two things you can't ignore, which are huge advocates for why cannabis is good, yeah. uh, the opioid epidemic in the United States, we talked about, sure, and then the other one is PTSD amongst our troops. You know, all our veterans. I'm and glad you brought that up. There, there is a undeniable difference. In, in terms of treating PTSD with cannabis versus other. Are people, cons- it seems like maybe the stigma rests with the concern that someone's going to form this inherently bad addiction to this quote unquote drug. Well, there's lots of things that are, are you know, there's lots of pharmaceuticals that are drugs that people become reliant upon. Right, 100%. I, I think part of that, it might not be the actual substance that's addictive. But it's that Pavlovian action of constantly doing it that that's what becomes addictive. It's almost like a self-generated organic PR campaign began and people just started catching on. And it starts in small bits, maybe with decriminalization, right? When when you're thinking, why are you arresting a kid who's 18 years old with a dime bag that gets caught is just being a kid who may may or may you know may not have the education to understand that consequences of doing certain actions but still you're giving that kid at 18 years old a freaking criminal record a criminal record that then will therefore affect him or her for the rest of their lives that to me is insane insane over a plant that has innumerable medicinal benefits so that was the first step, right? And it was this, what, the so-called war on drugs. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, the, I remember the Just Say No campaign, and then Nancy Reagan just saying, let's just, we should say no to that campaign. And there are some serious drugs that people should be very cognizant to choose not to do. And I'm always of the very libertarian mindset of uh, live and let live, okay? It's not, it, if it doesn't affect me, then uh, I don't care what you put in your body. The the other side of it is, I mean, in a world where we're overpopulated and jobs are few and far between, this is the next big rush, right? Like This is our gold rush, so to speak, for this generation, you know, the green rush, as we like to call it. I mean, the the, the job generation, um, you know, this industry pays higher than most industries. Um, You're using a lot of pot puns. I'm just kidding. What's that? You're, you're, you said it pays higher than. Uh, so. yeah. I love it. You're, it's, this is great. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 I equate this. It's almost akin to the the craft beer industry. Craft beer from guy from Colorado. Okay, I'm the biggest fan. I wanted John Hickenlooper to be the president because he was this craft beer revolutionary. You know, we're talking about a guy that owned the former mayor of Denver that had this. Uh, he's a brewer and. It all it then became uh, this excellent governor, I think, and then it took off all over the country, where craft brewers, these microbreweries, were spouting up, propping up everywhere, and the economic benefit of it was unbelievably massive. It, it, it we didn't even realize how big it was until it hit Maryland, especially, and you see people who are engaged in their local communities doing making great craft beer because let's face it. Um, I don't, I don't want to drink a Budweiser anymore. I'm not a Miller Lite guy. I'm not, you know, maybe a, every once in a while I'll, I'll, I'll drink the old piss water beer, but I don't, it, 
why why would, when you can do that i i think the same in, this industry is taking home look how many jobs you're creating look how many people you're giving a, a chance to live in this in this in tough economy and make a living for themselves and their families i, I just, so it's huge plus uh, you, know, you, you mentioned uh, about uh, when it would go legal or be well it's already criminal but when it would become recreational adult use and I think it's sooner than we realize. I think you're right. Uh, you know, especially with our geographic proximity to DC and other, you know, New Jersey's on the verge of going recreational. Pennsylvania's on the verge of going yeah. recreational. Yeah. Um, and the reality is, though, is you know, when Hogan and that team and they look at the deficit the state has, you know, nine hundred million dollars, they could turn that deficit on its head. You know, Colorado is my favorite example. Uh, at this point, they're doing a billion dollars a year in cannabis. People are flocking. Is they the teacher's pension mm-hmm. was salvaged, right? They were able to basically save it, right? They uh, the, the the deficit that the state had they turned on its head, and now that they have a surplus from cannabis, they're actually building schools and treatment centers for opiate addiction. Like, I mean, it doesn't get any better. Do you have politicians who talk to you ever and yeah, solicit you? Try to be. Uh, we, you know, we try to lobby mm-hmm. locally. So, you know, Speaker Jones, the new Speaker of the yeah. House. Yeah. Um, and then, you know. What do you think? Is she an ally? I, I think so. You know, uh, the reality is, is you, you, you know, everybody knows somebody at this point that probably has benefited from cannabis. Sure. You know, especially even just the CBD side of it, you know, that that's really softening. You still have that awful stigma. Like my mom's my favorite example. She is 76 years old and uses cannabis herself because she has seizures, right? Yeah. Has a seizure in years because of it and still thinks that it's bad. I, I was, I was reading the uh, local newspaper where I grew up in Hagerstown and I almost sent Lisa the story because it moved me so much that there's a young couple that have a, uh, I think it's a three or four year old son or daughter. Um, and they were meeting before their state delegates last week for uh, – they, they do this every year where they talk about what's going to happen in the next 90-day legislative session. And they're, they're pushing a bill to make it easier for uh, Maryland parents, the guardians, to, 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 to get medical cannabis, right? And you can do that now, but I think it's still a process. And this, this four-year-old has seizures, and they're talking about the, the – the necessity that the only thing that can quell this seizure is is cannabis and they've tried it and it's and it's so important to to how she can function i mean a seizure could kill her this this young girl and the legislators they were on they were on board but the hold up was and i hear this a lot the at, it, this is the excuse well it's still illegal at the federal level you know, they're they're, they, they're actually pushing for recreation yeah, and, and, and I understand that, and I understand that. Look, and your business, you're you're affected by, you know, how can you, you know, where do you put your money? It, there's a whole complication to that. With the, not being federally legal, yeah, like in terms of banking, mm-hmm. um, we have to go with these smaller private equity banks, and literally they have a huge warehouse. So like of money, a, a different vaults for each different cannabis company in Maryland, and they literally move cash from one vault mm-hmm. to the next. That's how we make payments and and they they charge an arm and a leg per month for us to 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 bank with them 
right? There's no credit cards. It's all cash. Mm -hmm. We're strictly cash business. And then the other side of it is when it comes to tax implications, they're not getting. Two eighty e is this concept where you, you you can't deduct anything. Yeah. There's no you can't write off any business expense against your taxes. Doesn't seem fair, does it? No. So the the the, the nice thing is though is Steny Hoyer, a nice uh, Maryland uh, representative mm-hmm. in the Senate, is uh, you know been really good for or in the House, been really good for us to get safe banking through. He's the new you know majority whip. Mm-hmm. Done a really nice job with getting safe banking through the House again, and we're hoping that the Senate's actually going to pass it before the end of the year. That would be a game changer. Yeah, Steny Hoyer has been in Congress for quite a long time. He's former Senate President of Maryland, um, and he's number two to Speaker Pelosi. So that that's a great ally. Now, let me ask you this: locally, you you mentioned uh, Speaker Jones, who was um, a, a, appointed by her caucus and then uh, came became speaker on May 1st of this year. Tell me about uh, other local elected officials because they need to, we, we need to talk about the good of people who are moving forward toward this process. Um, who else have been allies to, um, to this industry in Maryland specifically? I, I can name a couple, but like David Moon down in District 20, Delegate Dave, he's a huge fan of recreational marijuana. I'd say the biggest is Hogan. An ally, yeah, hundred percent. Isn't that something? As a cancer survivor himself, have you guys sat in front of and talked to him? uh, I personally have not. Okay, but uh, other people in the industry are close to him. He, uh, you know, the rec side's tough. Yeah, because the the reality is, there is evidence that that shows that uh, until age twenty five, there are some negative effects of THC Mm -hmm. on the brain. Um. But other than that, you know, the adult use is a tough one, you know, especially when you're why not let, for re-election. Why not let voters decide? Why not let the people of Maryland decide? And Yes, we have a legislature. Yes, we, we live in a, a constitutional republic, and this is, a, this is what happens where states are the, are the factories of democracy. But we let state initiatives pass. And yes, we also have that minor issue of that it's still illegal at the federal level. However— it, it, does that does that illeg- illegality does that suddenly how can that be changed with a change in leadership um, would that begin with the president would that begin with congress how how can we how is it going to change you know i think the nice thing for maryland is you know knock on wood we haven't had any issues with the fed in terms of our medical program yeah you know other states run into especially recreational states um you know the the uh they're still, they still get raided. Were you concerned when Jeff Sessions was the attorney general? Oh, 100%. Because he was an anti he was an anti cannabis crusader. But the nice thing is, Trump actually, you know, when he brought in Sessions, the one stipulation that he made is that you cannot touch medical programs. Right. And to recuse himself from. That didn't work out so well. Right. So now he's running for his old job in the, the U.S. Sessions Senate. This is a prime example of that old. Stigma. Yeah. You know, that's the, he's the poster child almost 100%. when he became the, the selection from Trump to be his attorney general. That was a concern by federal prosecutors, by how, what's going to happen to states that have legalized recreational marijuana. And in the Obama administration, when Eric Holder and when his successor, 
took over. They had a hands-off approach. That they just they had a memo basically. You know, what's funny is there were actually more raids under Obama. Is that right? In the first two years he was in office, and there were in the last ten between Bush and Clinton. Okay. Um, and people don't really know that. You know, he's sneaky. I didn't. But uh, he's you know, sneaky. Back to you know to criminalization and that Maryland its proximity to DC you know I think as a program and, and Hogan is you know the, and the state legislature are very aware of that they're they're like given our proximity we're under the microscope right? mm-hmm. I mean granted DC's got a recreational program but you know like we're we have to leave from the front right to make sure that we are allowed to be autonomous yeah. you know we're, we highly regulate our lab testing and our tracking of the of, of cannabis in the state that uh you know I, adult use is coming to maryland i think it's going to be like 2022 you think it's going to take that long when the so that would be the same year as a gubernatorial election coming up hogan was just reelected in 18 you think it's going to take that long a couple more years i do just because there's there's so many ins and outs that they have to iron out so they, they just they're studying it. Starting the committee process. They're year, studying it now. Yeah. You know, this past session was the first one, and, and the idea was at the time when they formed those committees. You know, Zirkin, who's been a big uh, advocate for adult use. Uh, We're talking about State Senator Bobby Zirkin from uh, District 13 um, yeah. over in Baltimore County, uh, yeah. who himself is one of Baltimore's top attorneys, and he's the chairman of the Senate Judicial Proceedings Committee. He's a little too aggressive when it comes to adult use because he doesn't. Is, is like we want to make sure that it's done right, right? From the medical industry, in terms of supply being available, we, you know, we don't want to end up like Canada, where the first day they went legal, they ran out of supply. Like we have medical patients that need it, right? We got to make sure that we're able to sustain the medical market before we add on. You know, we need to make sure that we have the right suppliers in place so that the program is successful. You know, and I think that also the state has, you know, there, there are questions about, you know, how. How do we go about doing this program and and not have it end up like Colorado? Because the problem is in Colorado they they have quality control issues that are crazy. I mean, you have four thousand cultivators in this state, you've mm-hmm. got two thousand dispensaries. Um, they they have a problem where there's too much product, right? So and the quality deteriorates because you, they're not getting as much money. So we want to make sure that the that the program is sustainable. Um, and, you know, Nevada has been a really good example of how to do that. So you look to Nevada as a blueprint for how Maryland can unfurl its own recreational program. Yeah, 100%. What, is, what makes Nevada uh, stand out? So they, uh, you know, granted that Vegas, obviously with the tourism, they're able to sustain their prices because there's always a constant influx of consumers. But, you know, I think the reality is, is they, they limit competition. Right now, that's that's a dangerous term in the United States, right? But the reality <laughs> is, is, you need good operators, right? If you open it up, you're going to have bad operators. You're going to have it opens it up to the cartels. They have easier access, right? But a lot of issues that come into play when it's just a free for all, right? And, and so Nevada, they are adding more dispensaries, but it's all based on a demand. Well, they don't want to overdo it. Look, there's a product and there's a marketplace for everything, right? And if if it's not going to be legal, someone's going to find a way to to manufacture it and sell it, market it, and bring it to people who have a need for it. So I uh, I think that you know, as we discussed previously, that people are still hung up on the, the cannabis being illegal 
at the federal level. However, there, I think some changes could come down the pike. Now, would that, it, it, let's just say, for instance, if there's a couple of different probabilities. So either Trump is elected or reelected. And if he's reelected, do you see, do you see that moving or speak? I see Trump decriminalizing if he's reelected. At the, at the federal level. That's, that's, that would be huge. Yeah. I don't see it making it recreational adult use, right? mm-hmm. but decriminalizing it will validate all existing state programs. Well, in fairness to Trump, he there hasn't he hasn't said too much on it. I, really, I think it doesn't matter who's president; it's probably going to be decriminalized in the next uh, term. You think so? Yeah, because the Democrats are stupid if they don't mention it. And run with I it. think Democrats are running on specific platforms of lead. I know Sanders is. Yeah. Sanders is a great example. Sanders is someone that has been a longtime advocate of it. And I, I think you would look at a, anybody. There's so much money on the table for the federal sure. government not to get their taste. Right. And we see what medical cannabis has done. Yeah. And in the state of Maryland, tell me about what how you think that this process has unwinded. Do you think that on the medical side that it's been uh, successful or are we still neutral where we're collecting data and – gathering the facts of the program success, or do you think it's been not so good? So, you know, that that's what makes this interesting is it's, it's, it's we're still pioneering, right? Yeah. We're still only two years in any, anybody from a merchandising or from a business side, when it comes to retail storefronts, three years is the, is like the token mark of like, whether it's a successful concept or not. Right? You did it again. Right. Token. So, so here we're still building that, right? You know, the, the reality is that I don't think people are, not all the dispensaries in Maryland are, are making money. That's losing money. So, I'm sure you know? because either they don't have the talent or they don't have the, I guess, right technology or that it's, it's demographic and it's, and Hey, look, this is a marketplace, retail, right? It's just, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's like we said, it's a commodity. It's retail. So, you know, the same it, factors are going to come into play. Like, are you a good operator? I, uh, over the weekend, um, I, finally did it i went online and i paid my 50 bucks and i took my white background photograph uh and then submitted my license to the the cannabis commission in maryland and i'm i think it'll take about 30 days or so and uh, look i have sleep issues i mean constant insomnia i can ne- i don't get nearly as enough sleep as i should and the I, one nice thing I would say, is, like, as you're getting your patient card, is Maryland. Well, not yet. They got to approve it. Right. Maryland is has it's it's almost like quasi rec, mm-hmm. so to speak, because the barrier of entry to become a patient is pretty low. Is you know, the, the spectrum of qualifying conditions is pretty wide. Yeah. Um, if if the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission is listening to this podcast, they I'll give them the antidote that my my mother said. Well, Jesus, if they give you cannabis, they'll give anybody cannabis. Right. So uh, is what we're seeing, you know, on, uh, on a daily basis, anywhere from two to three hundred patients are signing up. That's it's, it's the, something. The state as a whole, we're at ninety thousand patients. Is that right? Wow. And I I've seen people with their vape pens out in public. And of course it's, it's like I said, the stigma has been breaking down and it's really been helping people. And you won't find, I don't think you'll find a single legislator, maybe one or two, but I would say 98% of Maryland's legislators are fully on board with Maryland, with medical cannabis. So why doesn't the logic extend to, to what, you know, is the big fish in all of this is that 
they got lobbyists. Yeah, they have some some big name lobbyists too. They yeah. make lots of money, and I I get it. Look, it happened with remember with prohibition, like you said earlier. That was you know, what was prohibition really about? I mean, it was it was, uh, and then the the moral awakening. But then, of course, um, you know the the big. Big name beer companies, they have the big lobbyists that want you to continue to drink their Miller Lite and Budweiser. And that'll be the interesting thing is this progresses is like uh, Colorado, for instance. I know I reference them a lot, but they're the they have the longest you know reputation hmm. of both medical and rec. And the one thing you see is um, is that there's a decline, there's a decrease in alcohol consumption yeah. by like ten to fifteen percent. You know across the counties in Colorado where or Picking County, which is up in the mountains, they, they literally sell more cannabis than they do alcohol. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about medical benefits of, of cannabis. You're an expert, you know all about it. Tell me what people want to know. They, they might have a symptom. Like I, we mentioned anxiety, epilepsy, seizures, People with Parkinson's. I watched this amazing YouTube video where someone with Parkinson's, of course, the part of the symptom is you have tremors and somebody used medical cannabis. The tremors stopped within minutes. It was that, that to me on the PR side of this, you got to appeal to not only the science, but to people's emotions. And they see it working in an action and they think of a family member who might be on hospice and they only have a few you know, months or even weeks left to live. And they're in extreme excruciating pain. And the only thing that will mitigate that pain is cannabis or, you know, in that maybe it's a, uh, an edible. That's, I think that's what we have to do. That's how you, that's how you lure people in is on the emotional side. There's more documentaries that are more available as well. Like they're one of my favorites, which is available on Netflix. It's called weed the people. Mm. You want to pull on heartstrings? Watch this documentary. It, it follows the course of actions that these families take when their toddlers and infants are all stage four yeah. terminal with cancer, and they don't want they don't want to watch their kids go through chemo and radiation because it's painful and it's awful. And their bodies aren't formed, and it's body. yeah. So they put them on these THC CBD regimens. The crazy thing is, is these children are now five and six years old, and they're cancer free. Hmm. You literally watch this young boy. He has this tumor on the side of his head decrease in size over time through the use of THC and CBD. Hmm. You know that is undeniable to me. When you've you've been in this you've been in this role for over a year now, and I don't know if you communicate often with the, the anybody who actually is the uh, the consumer of these products. But I'm always interested to hear the success stories some of those like we just mentioned a few what what have you heard so you know the nice thing is is and i don't want to plug our business too much but you know our well that's why we're here <laughs> locations are health for life dispensaries and mpx is a brand uh we're, i hear they have a great marketer with patients <laughs> first you know so most of the efforts that we do are we, we're, we're in the community we're reaching out to the community we're doing grassroots effort we're trying mm-hmm. to overturn the stigma and at the same time i mean we, a lot of our patient consultants are very close to their patients because they, you know, they're, they're all, there's nothing but uh, success stories. Right. You know? And I'm sure that 
the first time that they they try this product and they see it's instant results in in most cases and just to have someone who can go throughout their day and be freed even temporarily of an ailment that is just life altering in some circumstances or with as we mentioned uh, another marketplace being targeted by this industry is the the senior marketplace and and why why shouldn't it they they're they're declining in health they um many people still are um figuring out how to age in place and to do that they they need some sort of medical need and um i i just find it fascinating how the the senior market is they're they're rapidly breaking down that stigma, and they become almost ambassadors of this this product. The reality is, is they're getting sick of the expensive pharmaceuticals that only target one symptom of of an issue, and then it has this whole gaggle of other side effects that could be worse than what it's mm-hmm. treating. But more importantly, when it really comes down to it, right, the phytocannabinoids that we take off the plant, the phytocannabinoids that is the medicine, humans have what we call an endocannabinoid system, right, right. We're the only species on planet Earth that has this, where we're actually literally, our physical body is designed for receiving these phytocannabinoids. Why is that important? Because all it really does, and why it works for so many different types of ailments, just helps the body work a little bit more efficiently. It helps the immune system work a little bit better. It helps your nervous system just work a little bit harder. And so... The reality is, is is that everybody, especially older people that deal with arthritis, mm-hmm. and joint pain, all they need is just a little bit of help for their body to work a little bit more efficiently. The reality is, is that everybody should be taking some sort of CBD supplement. You know, there would be so many pharmaceuticals that would just be, would become inept because they don't need them for, you don't need this crazy, expensive pharmaceutical to treat your your elbow pain, you know, your arthritis in your elbow. All yeah. you need is a little CBD rub. I'll tell you what happened. Um, I busted my bursa uh, a few months ago, lifting weights. And one of the most painful things I've ever went through, really, really painful. And that's where I said, all right, I got to, this medication, anti it's not helping. And it's just, it's not working. So I went and found CBD and you know, I, I got it in the, uh, uh, the, the plant form. So I, you know, you smoke it and right. it, it, it helped. It did. I could, I was to the point where I couldn't even sleep because the pain was so miserable. Um, so it helped. What were you going to take? Lunesta? Right. right. I mean, what, what was I going to do? Take melatonin pills? Right. <laughs> it's, it's not going to work. Um, and then you wake up in the morning and, and you're, you're groggy gro- and yep. you're a zombie because the med- like the pharmaceutical hasn't worn off. Yeah. There's, again, there's so many benefits to this people who think of t- uh, taking uh, medical cannabis, you know, a lot of people still think it's just the classic. You put it in a, a contraption, you put it in a device and you smoke it, you light it up, you smoke the bowl, but it's not like that so much anymore. Yeah, no, it's a, you know, it's a great thing to bring up. Uh, the, the, the forms of consumption is, is very diverse. I mean, especially if you're intimidated by smoking or mm-hmm. you don't want to inhale any, anything into your lungs, no problem. Uh, there are a variety of chewables available on the Maryland market mm-hmm. where you can medicate that way. There are, are they just as effective? Capsules. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just as effective. The, the only difference is the body metabolizes uh, Takes a little... when you ingest versus when you 
like when you smoke? Right. When you so, smoke it, it's going to be almost instantaneous. So it could be good or bad, right? Yeah. And it's all based on the individual when it comes to when you're eating, when but, you're ingesting. But you also have a vape pen, Some too. Some people metabolize THC differently, right? So, like, for myself, edibles don't really work for me. I mm-hmm. metabolize them too fast. Other people, they're very vulnerable. You know, they're, they're, they're very potent for them. Um, but, you know, there's other simple ways, like tinctures are a great way. The nice thing is, is you know, if you, if you do come to a health life dispensary, is we we walk through our patients through what they're looking for. Like that's our, our biggest concern is, you know, what is it that you need? What are you looking to relieve? And mm-hmm. How do you want to go about doing it? Right. And then, what's the right dosing for you? We actually Lisa just put together a really nice patient journal, and it helps people walk through what strains are helping them, right? What doses are effective for them? That's smart. You can figure it out on your own because everybody's different. Right. And you, when I was in there, the dispensary, Lisa, we keep mentioning this, this ghost Lisa who's sitting right next to us. She's their senior marketing manager. And so last week she took me down to the Health for Life dispensary. That's Health for Life dispensary. They have one in, they also have one in White Marsh and they have, is it Coward County? Baltimore City. Baltimore City. And Bethesda's it, it, Bethesda, right? We were down in Bethesda. Um, so this place was pristine. I, have you been in? I'm sure you have. Just a couple times. Yeah, I'm just a sure. Um, this place was like, I, I couldn't even describe it. I walked in and it, it, it's immaculate in one. And I, I had this guy, I can't remember his name, but he had great hair. Yeah, Pat, this guy, I, I'm telling you, he had the greatest hair I've ever seen of anybody in the world. And uh, he was incredibly helpful. He was answering my questions. We're talking about people who are very skilled in the different strains. And I guarantee if I told him, listen, I, uh, if I, it's like ordering right off of a menu. You walk in and you say, okay, I have, I have problems getting to sleep, but I don't want to wake up in the morning feeling groggy. I want to be able to function. Tell me what you think is best for me to help me quickly fall asleep and get that great night's rest versus, uh, you know, some of the stuff, you know, back in high school and college, you know, you'd smoke a bowl, go to bed, and then you wake up feeling like terrible the next day, probably because it wasn't quality product. And which brings me as another point is that people who go to the black, you don't know what you're getting. You're, you're getting the, like superior product when you walk in. You don't know what's in it. Yeah, you don't know what's in it. You guys, you guys do. You you process it. You clearly know the science behind it. And, and Maryland is also very highly regulated, you know, in terms of their 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 labs yeah. uh, requirements and, and making sure that, that that there aren't heavy metals and there aren't pesticides that end up in the in product. And sometimes it's laced with other. Mildew. Yeah, I mean, the cannabis on the black market in Baltimore City, as of late, has been notorious for having fentanyl in it. I mean, oh. That's terrible. That's not, a, that's not a funny matter. No, I mean, that stuff's killing kids left yeah. and right. Um, so, yeah, it, and then the vape, you can you can vape it, right? It's in the, that's the, you get a cartridge. That's one way to do it, for sure. And that's actually different than smoking flour. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason being is, like, with flour, right, you're, you're, you're setting organic plant material on fire. Right. So there are tar and carcinogens that you're also inhaling. Mm-hmm. With a vape product, what we do is we refine the oil down as much as possible and get all the fats and lipids mm-hmm. and the crap out of it that you don't want to inhale. And we get it to a pure THC and then terpenes. We, uh, you know, terpenes are really what is the actual entourage effect that you get. To. THC is just a catalyst. So THC makes it medical, 
right? Mm-hmm. Because, but the combination of THC with terpenes is what gives people that, that entourage effect of pain relief. Right. Your migraine goes away or, you know. Hits those neuron receptors pretty quickly. Yeah. So would you, in your recommendation, what would you think would be the, the best method to ingest uh, the, the, the medical cannabis? Yeah, so, um, yeah, and the, I would say vape products are a okay. nice way to transition because it's very simple, it's straightforward, uh, it's easier to dose. Um, you know, you can start with smaller puffs and see how it works, right? Um, you're going to get a more consistent result from doing that than, you know, trying to dose loose concentrates. That becomes more of an advanced thing. Yeah. And that those are people that are really after the terpenes when they go to the loose concentrates. But vaping is a nice way to intri- you know tr- segue. And MPX vape products, believe it or not, um, you know we're, we we put up pure and clean concentrates. Mm-hmm. So the concerns that people have with getting sick from using vape products, uh, you don't have to worry about that with MPX, the melting point extracts. Uh, you know we have certificates of analysis that show that we there's no vitamin E detected, right? That's the big culprit that's killing people. Vitamin E acetate. It was just in. Don't add additives to our product at all. It's yeah. simple, clean medicine. That was a huge story about vaping. That they, they discovered, you know, we always thought vitamin E was good for you, but it's really causing major problems. Well, vitamin E is good for you when you ingest it. Right. When but you combust it or when you vaporize yeah. it, what it does to the lungs is it creates these pods throughout your lungs and basically your, your lungs start to take on water Wow! and then you have what we call it's gas induced pneumonia Ugh. so the problem is your body can't on its own fight water yeah or 80% water so it can't fight water so that doesn't know how to do with it in the lungs and that's what's killing people so as we wrap up uh, where's where's the future of this industry going that's what's kind of fun about it is because uh, you know we don't really know you know, like we, we know, we, we hope, right, that that, uh, that it becomes decriminalized soon, and we hope that the next step is it becomes adult use nationally. And then, you know, from there, the idea is that is to export, right? You know, it becomes a global commodity. Mm-hmm. Um, same as, you know, any other commodity that, you know, coffee beans and tobacco, same, same type uh, commodity, but with regulations and each state exists as its own microcosm with their own body of regulations that, you know, that that's what kind of makes it exciting is, is we're all kind of, we're at the forefront of it, right? We're on the front line. Um, you know, people ask for direction. It's like, it's, it's tough because it's all brand new, right? You know, it's trial and error, right? Like it might work. It might not. We'll see. But, uh, you know, that it's definitely an exciting place to be. Uh, you know, who would have thought that this is where, where we would be in 2019? Did you ever think that growing up as a kid that this was what your job was going to be? We can all dream. Right? Yeah, right. You know, when I was in college, I'm just very thankful I never got caught. Right? <laughs> so, well, me too. Yeah. Know, but, I mean, no, I definitely didn't ever think we'd get here. You know, I thought yeah. Colorado would be like this. Colorado and Oregon would be these two standalone states that the rest of the country would never come around. But now you're seeing states like Oklahoma has a, a up and running medical program. Arkansas is on the verge. Louisiana is on the verge. You know these very southern states. Now the Dakotas are coming around. I mean, it's I, I, at this point in the game, like you know, like we've been saying, it's undeniable. Um, you know that that this is not something that's bad for you. Um, 
When I actually, I would say alcohol and tobacco are worse for you than cannabis. Yeah, and look, when you when we start to see medical cannabis being distributed after, uh, you know, the uh, the church service, that's when we know the stigma is going to be broken down amongst the you know the the hardcore folks that still believe that this is uh you know this is the as my dad calls it the old devil's lettuce. So uh, the next day, well, maybe at, at hospitals after a surgery, would that be an opiate? They give you an edible. They give you an edible, That'd be cool. and the the last effects would be much less harsh than that stuff that they've given you. Have you ever been through surgery? So yeah. And the, you know, opiates have their place. Yeah. I don't want to beat them up too bad. The only thing that's really scary about opiates is the, the lethal dose is pretty close yeah. to what you need in order to treat and you develop a uh, tolerance pretty quickly. Yeah. We're actually finding that you can combine CBD with micro doses of opiates and the CBD in combination with the opiate increases the potency. Of and that's something. So what we're doing is we're, we're moving the gauge down away from that lethal dose and so opiates become more effective with less amount you know because they do have their place yeah well drew uh this has been truly a fascinating discussion i wish we had more time but you're a busy man again melting point extracts located here in gaithersburg it's a it's a pl- i'm hoping i can get a tour is that all right absolutely yeah okay good i uh Thanks for having me, yeah this has been a lot of fun um and i really appreciate you coming on and uh sharing your expertise and perspective and uh, hopefully do this again so yeah thank you you can subscribe to a minor detail podcast on itunes Castbox, overcast or any application where you listen to podcasts. Like a Minor Detail Podcast on Facebook and follow the conversation on Twitter at AMD Podcast. If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring a Minor Detail Podcast, please reach out to me at ryan at a minor detail.com. Thanks so much for listening.